Welcome to the Armor Strong Podcast, Strength in the Mind and Body. My name is Gabriella Armour, and today is a very special episode featuring a very special guest, my mother, Sharon Sampson. In this episode, we'll be talking about mindful decision-making for the present and for the future, and really kind of expanding on what it means to be a strong or empowered woman. Without further ado, I'd love to welcome my mother, Sharon K. Sampson, on this episode of the podcast. Welcome, Mommy Dearest. Thank you so much for having me, Gabriella. I'm so proud of you and your podcast. (laughs) Thanks. All right. So I mentioned earlier in the intro that we'll be talking about the importance of decision making for the present and the future. And I think everyone's kind of got an idea of what that will look like, planning for their job, planning for their family, whatever. But you covered something so important that not many people think about at this stage which is planning for the future in a sense of later on down the road. So I definitely want to talk about the book that you created, how that developed and how people can benefit from the use of this book. Okay. Well, it is called Planning for Paradise and it is an organized guide to the most important details of your life and specific wishes. I think a lot of people do think about things, but they don't actually plan them. Mm. For example, this book, has you focus on your health, your relationships, your finances. And when I speak of specific wishes, it's before and after you go. Mm -hmm. So it was the passing of your godmother, Gail, in 2019. She had an envelope that was found after the time of her unexpected passing that had her specific wishes written down. Everything from... Um, wanting to be cremated instead of being buried at the plot that her dad had purchased, I think, 80 years before that. Mm. Um, she was specific in wanting to be cremated. She wanted her ashes spread at certain locations. She wrote down a song list that she wanted played at her service. She wrote down a poem, the poem that you had read. Mm-hmm. And um, she was very deliberate in her in what she wanted because she had just planned the funeral of her brother who had passed a few months before that. I think it's very important. Everyone does think about death a lot, but they don't plan anything out. And then it's up to the family to have to figure out their life's puzzle when it's almost impossible. Yeah, We know what restaurants are in town, but we don't know what funeral homes are in town. We don't know if our loved ones want to be buried or cremated. We don't know how to get into their bank accounts, social media passwords. You figure everything is on our phones now. So if in the event something were to happen to me, I want to make sure that I have everything taken care of as your mom. Mm -hmm. So you're not left with grieving the loss of me as well as, but not limited to, having to figure out how to get into my accounts, my passwords, what it is I wanted. Financial stress. Yeah. All of the above. Yeah. I mean, grief is, is something that I really can't even put into words. It's it's sneaky. It creeps up on you at the, the times that you wouldn't even think that it would come. When you can take care of things in advance to take the pressure off of your family and your loved ones, mm. I think it's so necessary. Yeah. So... I wanted to create this book with simple worksheets, 
overviews and simple checklists to make it so easy for people to get their stuff in order. So like I said, I will attach the link to this book for Amazon, but the workbook, I mean, I've been filling it out gradually and mind you, you know, I'm only 28 years old. So planning my end of life is something that I would never really think about. But you think of 2020 and the year since then, and so many people have died unexpectedly at such a young age and, you know, not to harp on like the theme of death, but it's inevitable. It is. It is inevitable. And but the most important thing, it's it's not just an, uh, a death book, say. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the book and you open it up and you look at medications, um, I don't take medications, but I become deliberate about my sleep, water, exercising, movement. I mean, I feel like if you don't use it, you lose it. So if I'm if I'm aware of my health, then further down the line, if I invest in my health now, I'm not going to have to worry so much later on. Mm -hmm. When I look at my finances and say bills associated with my house, you can write down every bill you have or every person that you owe. And then you wind up eliminating because you're not spending as much. So, yeah. it, you know, the book, the book appears to be just for death. But I say if you focus on present living, you live a greater life because you have more discipline. Mm. You're organized more. You're looking at your relationships and you're you're putting them at the forefront because your family and your loved ones are so important. And we can invest in so many things in life, but if we don't invest in our health and love, we really have nothing. Yeah, that's so, so true. So this book is more than just uh, planning for, say, your funeral arrangements or afterlife. It's anything that anybody would need to know before or after you go. Yeah. So that's why I included the letters in the back of the book. There's an apology letter, a love letter, a letter of gratitude, and you're always with me letter. I'm very deliberate about, obviously, you know, expressing how I feel. And that's why I'm always telling you how grateful I am for you, mm -hmm. um, how much I love you and how proud I am of you. And I think that when you're involved in a relationship and you're present, you are building a foundation of strength because it also gives the person that you're loving uh, security. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, those letters are so important because... People go a lifetime always having things that they wanted to say you never had the chance to or meant to call them but forgot. Um, so those relationships, like you said, those are the things that make life worth living for. Um, it's not about the monetized things or the things you own or so many families get broken up after mm. a death because they're worried about who gets what money and all that stuff. And while money makes the world go around, I mean... I know you love this saying, but at the end of the day. Oh, I hate that expression. <laughs> um, <laughs> the people in your life make life worth living for. The love that you live and those those relationships. You think of the memories that you've created throughout the years. And, you know, when you remember someone, you remember their laugh, their smile, not how much they owed you and stuff like that. Well, I mean, and, and you do hear in so many cases and families, uh, the family's fighting over money or fighting over an object or a material item. And I think that it is so important from the morning till the end. <laughs> the whole day, not just the end of the day. 
every day of your life, I think it's so important to to know that you are going to be remembered by the person that you are, the character that you've built, the way that you've made people feel. No one's going to remember or actually talk about really much of anything else. Yeah, and um, you always harp on, you know, it's a legacy, the legacy that you're leaving. What have you done in this world that will leave a legacy? Exactly. So with this book, you're focusing on the legacy you're leaving behind mm-hmm. and the legacy that you're living. Are you involved in the community? Are you reaching out to people as much? Are you creating more of a debt by not investing in your health? Mm-hmm. Obviously, being in the health field, I see people every single day, and more so in the physical therapy kind of world of it, because patients come in and they're actually wanting to improve their physical health. And we always say movement is medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go to the doctor, you can get prescribed all these medications, but that's not solving the root of your problem. And you're investing more time and wasted energy kind of covering up these symptoms with a medication than investing that time and energy into movement and getting rid of kind of that root cause. Um, People who take the short kind of way out of things, oh, I'm eating more inexpensive foods because it's more cost efficient. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, but look at your cost now compared to in the future, what your medical bills will look like down the line. Coming into a world being completely independent, it's important of the financial stuff, but also somebody said this quote, if you, um, if you buy cheap, you'll buy again. So with your body too, if you, you know, if you don't invest in yourself now down the line, you're going to spend way too much. Oh, definitely. energetically, I mean, do it now. So later on down the road, you're better prepared and, you know can enjoy the life you're living and not have to worry about all that stuff. Being prepared in preparation is key. Yeah. You're you're planning for your health. I mean, I, I've learned so much from you since you've been in this physical therapy, athletic training world. Mm-hmm. And mobility is a huge deal. I mean, as you get older and you're feeling certain things, you have to have the strength to be able to pick up your own body you have to be able to get down on the floor and get get up. You need your hands to be able to push yourself up or your arm strength just to be able to push yourself up. And and I believe I'm I'm thankful every day that I'm able to wake up and be able to move. Yeah. I'm I'm thankful that I I can make a decision whether I want to eat like crap or eat healthy. I have been eating and you know the organic uh, organic fruits and vegetables. I don't want to put anything in my <laughs> mouth that has pesticides on it. Except for M&M's. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Except for M&M's on the side. <laughs> Those are healthy. <laughs> healthy for the soul. <laughs> Everybody needs some some good chocolate sometimes. <laughs> but for the majority, I mean, and, and again, I mean, that goes in the planning. I mean, Obviously, we're all going to have our treats sometimes and, and uh, you know, not not be so uh, regimented. regimented that we do everything by the book. But if you make sure that the meats that you're eating are grass-fed or organic meats, you're not clogging up all your arteries mm-hmm. and everything else. I would rather have, uh, I would rather eat one small good piece of meat than eat out at a buffet. 
Oh yeah, of course. It's disgusting. <laughs> it is. I know. And there's there's like all these obviously the trend in nutrition and kind of diet has I feel like changed throughout the years, even though it's saying the same thing all the freaking time. But, you know, there's this carnivorous diet, which is like grass-fed beef, all this stuff, animal fats, organs, um, you know, whole organic raw milk and all that stuff. I say do what feels good. Do what makes your body feel good, whether you're vegan, vegetarian, whether you're keto, whatever diet fad you're on, energetically feeding your body and doing things that make you feel good. People will eat just to eat whatever's in front of them anything and then they you know feel whatever way after and I think like not even so much what you're eating but the mindfulness of how you're eating is so important yeah but I mean no it is what you're eating too but well it is but but I also know um when I eat like crap I feel like crap totally yeah if I'm if I'm eating sugars and and if I d- drink wine or whatever it is, I wake up my fingers feel like sausages. <laughs> you do feel like you no, do you feel definitely. it in your body when you eat like crap. Yeah. But I think that we are so used to being a certain way that we don't even realize that we've been feeling bad all this time until we feel good. So that's what I mean too. Like people are just eating their normal things without being mindful of how they're feeling after eating those foods. Right. Uh, learning kind of Ayurvedic medicine within the yoga world. Ayurveda, or which is basically the use of different foods and spices for like maintaining health. It's kind of like, you know, traditional Indian medicine. Mm. They talk about, you know, mindfulness when you're eating and being and not being on your phone distracted while you're eating, not watching TV while you're eating, not talking when you're eating, but being very mindful because the mind's response to the process or the experience of eating has a better trajectory to how your body processes it physiologically, which I think is so interesting. I've read so many things about this. Okay. So like like when you're eating, if you're kind of just like, you know, driving and eating, your mind is distracted, it's oh, yeah. not processing, going back to, you know, making sure that you're investing in what you're putting in your body. Always. And and it doesn't, it, it's not just food. Yeah. Everything. I mean, it's everything that you're reading. You know, I what I love about, uh, back to the book, Planet for Paradise, is it's a pen and paper workbook Mm -hmm. so it gives you a a chance to get off your phone Mm -hmm. stop looking at the electronics i know what what it's done to my eyes in the past few years (laughs) i mean (laughs) yeah you laugh (laughs) but you know when i've been looking at the screen for so long i i just feel so blurry eyed and but it's what we read it's it's who we listen to it's who we hang out with Mm -hmm. so when you're very aware of everything that you're taking in and even the music that we listen to um you become deliberate about living the good life because you don't want to put that in, in your body you don't want to be around toxic people like it's just much better to focus on yourself planning for paradise i always say what does paradise look like to you yeah so i'm gonna ask you what does paradise look like to you um i think paradise looks like surrounding my myself with people who I love who are supportive, maybe on a beach with a nice cold drink in my hand. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think paradise is being completely avoidant of any negativity and of any negative thoughts and being able to thrive in an atmosphere that 
you've always dreamt of. So like, you know, you think of heaven or paradise, whatever your perception of, you know, your afterworld. But when I think of a paradise, if I were to live in a paradise now, it would be in somewhere where I'd be able to express myself at the fullest, be around people who love me the most and who I love the most and not have to worry or be annoyed at anything or anyone around me. (laughs) That's my biggest thing. (laughs) I just think of like, you know, the utmost enjoyment. Yeah. What's paradise for you? Um, Paradise for me is uh, loving healthy relationships and more so the people that I love knowing without a doubt how much I care about them. Mm. Um, for me, it's, uh, not being in debt. You know, I worry a lot. Um, sometimes when, when I have say more debt than usual, it does add stressors. Obviously everything is so expensive now, Oh yeah. but paradise to me, uh, looks like more of a simple life Mm -hmm. than creating chaos. Yeah. And that is why I do like this book. I mean, obviously I wrote it. It's great. It's the ultimate legacy planner. Shameless plug. But, <laughs> which you can find on Amazon, but um, it just makes me very aware because I'm always in the book. I, I write down, I doodle, but it, it makes me extremely aware of my life and uh, the different areas of my life that I want to keep uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, you know, having an outline so detailed, maybe if maybe you don't know what paradise looks like for you and this can kind of help you figure that out. It's just so amazing the different sections that you've added in the book and how detail oriented everything is because there's no forgetting things with using this. Everything's just set up and so, you know, planned out. So it's so helpful. It is. I think the most important thing I learned about this book was the physicality of it and getting things organized in my house. Yes, because if, God forbid, something happened to you, you live three hours away. Mm -hmm. I would have no idea where any of this stuff was located. So if you had, say, copies of your bills, just stick it in the book. This way I have the account number. Um, Social media passwords, write it down. Your birth certificate, your social security card, gather it and stick it in the book. It's that simple. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for really talking about your book and how it came about. And hopefully this will give listeners an outlet to be able to plan ahead and get their life organized and start really developing that legacy. Absolutely. Get your affairs in order. And start planning for paradise so you can rest peacefully in paradise. Mm, Love that. So I'd like to transition into the next segment of the podcast for today, which is what it means to be a strong woman. When I think of strong women in my life or, you know, who my role model is, I always think of you. You look at the media and this, I mean, it's not so new, but I definitely think it's more harped on, but women empowerment and really creating this platform for exalting a woman to be 
whether it's equal as a man or, you know, uh, at the top of their success or business model. So what do you think being a strong woman entails? Well, that's a very interesting question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When you say, when you think of a strong woman, you think of me, what is it? What are the qualities that I possess that you've grown up with? What do you see in me? Um, I see someone who is not afraid to express how they're feeling, whether it's approval or disapproval, Mm. um, who is very genuine, honest, loving, and mostly I feel like you put people first above yourself. And in that same world, not taking any BS from anyone too, like as caring and loving as you give out, if that isn't reciprocated, you know, not even associating yourself with that. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know, a lot of people go and they try to seek love, and if it's not reciprocated, they'll stay in it because maybe it's something that is conditioned to the mental state of, oh, this is what I de- not what I deserve, but you know, maybe it'll happen at some point. But for you, I mean, it's always been if that's not reciprocated, see ya. Like you're a waste of my energy or kind of. Well, yeah, I mean, I think as I've gotten older, I've I've. I've learned to rise to a higher frequency of my own Mm self-love to not have to deal with certain situations. Yeah. When I think of women that are strong and empowered, I think of you. Hmm. (laughs) Um, I would say I love the fact that you are able to set goals and achieve them. You've made a life of, I always say you're a woman of excellence. And I feel that when you set your priorities high and you have goals and you're able to reach them, um, that to me is empowering as a person. Mm. Um, I know that we live in this bad bitch um, twerk. (laughs) This bad bad bitch, boss bitch. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm really not into that because I, I feel like being a respectful person is is more empowering to me. So important. Than having to prove that I don't I, I don't have to listen to anyone and, and look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm a bad, 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 bad bitch. Like I don't need to be that. I don't need to be that. Um, I do always say the proof is in the pudding. It is. And it's it's so funny because I mean Yes, you. I feel like you can have a good balance of being a bad bitch, but with respect, I mean, if you exude that self-confidence, I feel like that's a bad bitch. Someone who is confident, someone who is, you know, standing their ground, who is able to make decisions independently, someone who is able to be their own person. That's a bad bitch. Not someone okay, who... You need, okay, stop saying bitch. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, mommy. <laughs> that I, is... I don't even like the expression. It's It just sounds so silly. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I would toss that into the, the bin with the end of the day and all those <laughs> silly expressions that I cannot stand. Um, I, I don't like the expression. Um, I'm, I'm not a bitch. I'm a woman. Yeah. And I feel like to be an empowered woman, you need to know what you want. Come from a place of love. Mm -hmm. Respect. And respect. And and that's why, right. That's why I don't deal with a lot of people because they're disrespectful. So I'm not going to even play that game. 
I mean, you said you've learned throughout the years as, you know, through different experiences and just through living life to carry yourself at a higher frequency. And I don't think a lot of people really understand what that means. You talk about this energetic field and the the power of speaking things into existence and surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals. Right. Every single person has cellular particles in them that vibrate at a frequency when they say oh i'm at a higher frequency like your mental state can bring you to that aspect Mm -hmm. or to that level and people who you know are constantly pessimistic or who are you know narcissistic whatever it may be that's not someone that should even be in your same energetic field no but in the same breath i mean i'm a human being so there are times when i might be a little of course um negative or I might be a little I don't want to say narcissistic but but the thing is is you're aware of it I'm very aware of you it. have self-awareness and a lot of people lack that yes and also having you um at a young age I didn't want you to be surrounded by certain people I didn't want you raised or influenced by negativity mm-hmm. or unhealthy surroundings yeah. I just didn't so it, it wasn't a choice it wasn't that I didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. It's that it it wouldn't have been a choice. Yeah. And, you know, when I, again, the reason why mostly when I think of a strong woman or someone who is my role model, you know, raising me as a single mother, the decisions and sacrifices that you had to make are unmatched compared to, you know, just, I, I mean, I'm not ever going to compare you to other mothers out there, but I have been very blessed to have a mother like you who has made the the decisions that you've made to give me the life that I have lived. (laughs) Now the waterworks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I mean, I, I, I was raised, my parents, I mean, granny and, and grandpa were wonderful parents. Granny always, they always put us first. We lived very respectfully. We weren't allowed to, say shut up and curse at each other or yell or talk back. I mean, you're you're a very respectful person and you always have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, in all these years, you've never, ever told me to shut up. Oh, my God. Or yelled at never. <laughs> never. I would never even imagine <laughs> telling when, you to shut up. Right? When you look at these kids, I mean, I remember when you looked at me when you were little, you looked up at me with these big brown eyes and you were like... Uh, you're my best friend. I was like, you know, yes, no, no, I'm your mom. <laughs> well, I mean, too, like all of my friends are like, oh, your mom is so fun. She's your best friend. I'm like, okay, yeah, but like I'm terrified of her. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, you don't have to be totally terrified of me. Well, no, but, you know, the level of respect, especially with, you know, the trend of younger mothers having kids at such a young age you're growing up with your child like you're still learning so many things with your child so drawing that line of being a parent versus a friend yeah you would get in trouble for things that your friends did oh yeah always they would be disrespectful to their parents and And i'd be dragging you home yeah (laughs) gosh but but again going back to the people that you surround yourself with teaching me that you know that's not that's not an okay thing to do even though I didn't directly do it no like you wouldn't even let me watch Rugrats because of Angelica being rude she was a brat she was a brat yeah no (laughs) yeah well and again it's what you take in yeah I mean I'm not gonna allow you to watch um, unhealthy cartoons yeah even though they're all kind (laughs) of when you watch them now you're like 
So really funny, kind of side note. I saw this TikTok the other day of this girl. She had written an, a college essay about SpongeBob. Oh, no. It was Your great. Husband. I saved it. I'll send it to you. So for the listeners, growing up, um, my entire room was SpongeBob. I had a carpet, video game, posters, um, a lamp, a desk, a bed, bed sheets, Everything. a comforter. So, um, you said SpongeBob was going to be your husband. Big SpongeBob gal. But no, this, this girl created a, a college essay about SpongeBob and the things she learned from it, like fostering creativity and imagination and all this stuff. It was so great. Um, I'll have to send that to you. But yeah. I, just, I mean, the childhood things, though, this day and age, the use of social media and... I was listening to um, another podcast, which shameless plug for this as well, probably okay parenting. Um, Allison and Brian Biederman, who are my cousins, they were talking about putting your kids at the forefront of your social media and trying to not exploit them, but we're in this world of everything needs to be insta famous or you know getting that popularity and how some parents put their kid on there and like not force them to do stuff, but this expectation that your life is supposed to appear perfect on social media. Well, if you're living for likes, mm. you, you're never going to be fulfilled. Living for likes. I'm I'm absolutely not living for likes. Yeah. I mean, as as long as this book has been out, um, I I am a very private person, and I want to leave a legacy more than I want to be known for how many likes I've received. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. You know, it's tough because I do have some friends who are very successful in the social media world. Mm-hmm. and But the people that I know that are the most successful are truly genuine people. And that's, I mean, at least the ones who are who are in my circle. And so that is so admirable to see that, that their content, which they invest so much time and energy to, um, is being accepted well because they're like a pretty dang good person. But that's not always the case. So I don't know. I mean... Well, if you're an actor on the internet... Yeah. Or if you're actually... Living that life. Living that life. Yeah. It's, it's com- two, completely, two, diff- two completely different things. When I look at a video online, I know when someone's acting. Oh, of course. Yeah. I know when they're, they're not real and they're doing videos for likes. I, I can't stand that. But I, I do love TikTok and I... I, I, I <laughs> I do. I do spend countless hours. On TikTok, I do. I do but. like TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> That's, so funny. That's one of my guilty pleasures. Oh, I know. Isn't it everyone's? Um, but no, going back to the parenting styles, um, I think obviously how you were raised has such a telling response on how you are as a person now. But also on the flip side of that, there's way more acceptance with seeking counseling and therapy and people dealing with we've had this conversation before, but dealing with childhood trauma Mm -hmm. and sort of things that have been, you know, maybe suppressed or memories that haven't been visited or spoken about for people to further uh, um, examine themselves and why they act certain ways or why they have relationships the way they do or can't develop relationships too. Well, and again, I mean, it's such a different, I don't want to say generationally, but say when you were growing up the you were involved in sports dance um i know that a, a lot of kids are involved in sports but i think learning how to deal with people and not just having your ipad i mean when i see babies with ipads 
I can't believe it. Yeah. I, I, I just can't believe it. And, and I know that it's just to entertain them, but kind of real life problem solving has kind of deterred a little bit, I think. Well, yeah. And their self-esteem isn't built to be able to self-esteem. Well, they Huge. they can't solve their own issues. Yeah, but too like you know social media bullying, and especially uh, especially at the time around COVID, when literally oh, every, the only thing that people were doing was social media. I know. Getting that instant gratification or getting that reassurance from other people. I mean, I think living real life experiences and be exposed to different human interactions. Not online, because people can say whatever they want behind a screen. But the second you're in front of someone looking at their sort of like nonverbal social cues and that nonverbal communication, as a human being, you feel for that person. I agree. Like, I would never, you know, some people who are the trolls, internet trolls, saying all these rude things. If you were to see that person in person, what would your interaction be with them? How would you communicate with that person? Right. Yes, exactly. I I mean, eye contact. Eye contact. Yeah, like reading body language. A lot of people can't make eye contact anymore. Yeah. Or speak. I know. People can't communicate. It's like, okay, can I just text you and have this conversation? This is a little (laughs) tough and rough. (laughs) Tough and rough. It's like, what do I say to you right now? I feel like we could probably go on and on just talking about random things. But well, we could. <laughs> but before we go, I would like to know what if you had one message to leave the world, what would it be? Mm. One message to leave the world. Shine your light and be kind to others. Aw. Yeah. I think that's just what it comes down to. Be kind to yourself first develop that internal light and then from there i mean things just kind of happen yeah my question for you because knowledge is strength what is one new thing you have learned this week one new thing that i have learned this week i would say the most important thing that i'm continuously learning is that time goes by so fast Mm -hmm. and within a blink of an eye it's gone so we truly need to cherish our loved ones and if I had one message to leave to the world it would be to stay loving and if your parents are living call them more often than not Mm -hmm. yeah and and truly cherish your loved ones while they're here. Well, I love you, mommy. I love you too, Puddin. And thank you so much for joining me on this podcast episode. I'm sure we'll have some more to come. I appreciate you so much. If you want to go ahead and follow my mommy on social media, I will go ahead and put her information in the description and also her link to the Amazon Planning for Paradise, an organized guide to the most important details of your life and specific wishes. Please head to my Instagram at ArmorStrongPT and go ahead and follow in for more updates about further podcasts to come and to be a little bit more interactive and please open area for conversation if there's any topics you'd love to listen to in the future on this episode of Armor Strong, Strength in the Mind and Body. Have a great day!